Today's guest is Sharon Milliman. Now, Sharon has had four near-death experiences, and she has been struck by lightning four times. She was featured on the Dr. Oz Show and the National Geographic Channel. She's also the author of three books, A Song in the Wind, A Near-Death Experience, The Whispers in the Wind, A Poetic Journey of the Soul, and A Rose from Heaven. Sharon, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today and joining me on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. My audience is really into near-death experiences. So can we start on the day of your first one at age 13 and tell us what happened? I was taking swimming lessons at the Y here in the town that I live in. And the instructor wanted me to dive head first like this into the 10 foot section of the pool. And I watched all the other kids do it and they did fine, but I was scared and I just, I I couldn't do it. And he told me, he said, well, you're either going to do this dive or I'm going to throw you in. Mm. And so he grabbed me and threw me in and I panicked and took in a ton of water and just, I mean, it, it didn't take but a couple minutes and I was on the bottom. Wow. And it was, um, it was, it was so strange because time seemed to just slow way down or basically stop. But while I'm laying on the bottom of the 10 foot section of the pool, um, I could see myself under the water. I could see the top of the water rippling like this. And I could hear everybody screaming around the pool. And I could see my mom. She was in the balcony on the opposite end, the three-foot section, where all the parents were sitting. And she was leaning over the banister. And I, her face was like right here in my, you know, this close. And... um she was just horrid, horror-filled look on her face. And then I heard um, the uh, there was a woman lifeguard who was taking care of the little children in the three-foot section, and I heard her scream at my my um, instructor. He said, "She said, Bob, go in and get her." And and I then I looked at him, and he was frozen. He couldn't move. And all the while, all of this stuff was going on, I'm under 10 feet of water, and there was this brilliant light. And at first, I thought it was a light bulb. And I kept thinking, well, what's a light bulb doing in the pool? You know, that's kind of dangerous. But this light, it was it was brilliant, yet it didn't hurt my eyes. And it was so soft. And it, it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't know if I was going up to it or it was coming down to me, but it was like this close to me. And I heard what sounded like a metal door slam and it echoed. And then I felt this horrific pain and I was coughing up water. And uh, what had happened was the lifeguard that was taking care of the middle-aged kids in the like five foot section of the pool he had jumped in to save me and he was doing CPR and he got me over to the side of the pool and they got me out and 
all I remember is everybody's feet. There was all these legs and feet standing around me. And then my mom, I could see my mom's face, Mm -hmm. but I, I didn't know what had happened. Mm -hmm. I, um, and we never really talked about it afterwards. I think my mom was so terrified that I, we never talked about it and I didn't know what that was, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody explained anything to me. I had no idea what had happened. Mm -hmm. Um, but that light was, it was so beautiful and Mm -hmm. I wasn't cold. I wasn't scared. Um, I felt no pain at all. And except for the few moments of terror, you know, when you're struggling and you're not, you know, you know, you're going to go down and you do. You, I, I always figured that people who drowned would be cold, mm-hmm. but I wasn't cold. Mm-hmm. And I was, I felt this peace. It was just so peaceful. And the love that came out of that light was just unreal. Mm-hmm. It was, it was not a bad experience. <laughs> I find it very interesting that you said that you heard this sound like a door shutting or slamming. I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that, what do you think that was? I think that was my soul going back into my body hmm. and it was like a metal door slamming and it echoed. It was mm-hmm. an echo sound. Mm. It was loud. Mm. And I think that was just me going back in my body. Yeah. Maybe it could have been that with a combination of being, was it an indoor pool or an outdoor pool? It was an indoor pool. Yeah. You know how it's kind of echoey in there in some of the places <laughs> kind of very, yeah. I guess they'd say a lot of reverb, maybe that kind of, you know, maybe that had some kind of effect to it, but yeah, that was, I, I bet Bob lost his job left over that. You know, I, I wondered that I still wonder that, oh. but I never, ever went back hmm. after that. Yeah. So I don't know if he lost his job, he probably needed to. <laughs> yeah. Did you continue swimming after that or no. you, you were just too, too afraid to go into in the water? Yeah. And, yeah Even if I take a shower and the water gets on my face, I can't mm-hmm. breathe. Wow. So I have to, you know, cover my, you know, to just wash my hair. I couldn't do this. Oh, very interesting. Um, and I, if I go swimming at the beach, it's up to the knees only and that's it. Yeah. And I have to be able to touch the bottom or I don't care <laughs> in the yeah. water. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. So after that happened many years until your next uh, near-death experience, was anything paranormal or anything different happened to you? Or is that just kind of the only one incident thing and then nothing really happened until later? Actually, when I was 15, something happened. Mm. Um, I used to, well, something was happening in my life that should never happen to a child. And when I went to an adult about it, Mm -hmm. they didn't um, believe me. They told me it was all in my head. So I thought I was losing my mind. I thought I was crazy. Um, I had planned to commit suicide, but I didn't tell anybody. Mm. Um, I was singing in the youth choir Mm. at the time and it was a good Friday and the whole goose choir went to this um, neighboring church. And um, I was sitting in the back um, and 
like it had two levels, like the bottom level was like the basement level or the, or the street level. And that's where we were all sitting and practicing for our turn to go up into the main church to sing. And um, as, as I was sitting there, I was, it was me in the back. I was really withdrawn by this time. So I wasn't hanging out with people and stuff. So I was sitting in the back. There was two adult women in front of me and then in front of them were the two daughters of one of the women and then the rest of the choir was in front and this man walks in and he didn't use the door he came in from I don't know from another room or another area in the church and he walked up to me and as soon as I saw him it was like Oh my gosh. You know, I, I couldn't talk. My mouth mm. went dry. I couldn't speak. It was Jesus. Mm. And he walked up to me. He was so beautiful. And he walked up to me and he said, where do I go to sit? And I was just like, oh, <laughs> I couldn't say a word. So he sat down next to me in the chair next to me. And he was just smiling and the two women in front of me turned around and they were telling him, how to get up to the main church. And when he stood up, well, while they were telling him where to go to sit, he turned to me and he looked at me and he said, what is happening to you in your life is happening. You are not crazy. I love you. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Mm. And that blew me away because I had never told anybody you know, what I was going through Mm -hmm. and for him to say those exact words, it was, it was like, you know, he knew my heart. He knew Mm -hmm. he could read my heart without me saying anything Mm because I didn't say anything. And when he got up, he touched with his finger, the elbow of the lady that was sitting in front of us. She had arthritis so bad in her arm. She couldn't bend her arm. And, she was like, oh, my gosh, the pain's gone. I can move my arm. He healed her arm. And the two, her two daughters were sitting in front, and they saw him, too. Nobody else in the choir did but me and those four other women. Mm. And we still talk about it today, you know. Wow. It, was, it was amazing. He went up, and he was sitting in the pews, and there was this huge stained glass window that just I mean, all the pews were in front of this window. Mm. So everybody would be sitting in front of it. And I didn't notice anybody else in the church at all. I just was singing my heart out to him. I didn't see anybody else. I had no idea that could have been filled with 100 people. I don't know. But when we got done, he told the two girls um, that he liked their singing um, and we were all talking about him, you know, did you see Jesus? He was just sitting right in front of you. Did you see him? And nobody else saw him, just us four. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, he, he was sitting right there. You would have had to fall over him not to see him. He was right there, but they didn't see him. Just, just us. And it was amazing. It yeah. was just amazing. That is amazing. What did he look like? Did he have like what you see in pictures and robes and long hair or was he more, you know? contemporary well, looking he had very long hair very long hair very dark uh he's dark complected he had brown eyes 
Um, he had a short cut beard. He was wearing a white button down shirt, blue jeans and boots. Oh, cool. And he, he was so beautiful. When he smiled, he had dimples and it was like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was so, but it was not only was he beautiful, I, and he he was not the blonde haired, blue eyed Jesus everybody thinks of, you know, mm-hmm. with the hair up to here and the, you know the the blue eyes. Although his eyes were very brown, and he had he he looked like a you know he did when he walked the earth. He was Middle Eastern man, you know, mm-hmm. he dark skin and mm-hmm. but he he was so. I want to say it was just really cool <laughs> because he, 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 he dressed like everybody else, you know, and he, he didn't really stand out in the crowd, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the long robes and the mm-hmm. you know, halo and all that. It, it wasn't like that, but you knew that he was just, his love was so his, and he was compassionate and caring and gentle and, his smile was just radiant. He was just radiant. It was beautiful. Did you see like an aura coming off of him or something? Well, I knew the second he walked in the room, it was like, oh my God, there's holiness in his room. The whole energy of the room changed. It was bright and light and airy like it is in heaven, you know, but we were sitting in this room and it, it was just, I'd never felt energy change like that mm. before. It was amazing. Mm. It was just, I don't know. He, he exudes love from every pore in his body. It's fascinating that no one else could see him or didn't see him, but y'all four. Just us four. I think he did that because I was questioning myself so much. And I think that he let that happen so that there was validation that it in fact did happen and other people saw it too. It wasn't just me mm-hmm. because I was questioning, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I knew things were happening and I was told, no, they weren't. Mm-hmm. And that made me question myself. Mm-hmm. So I think he did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Before he came, did you were you praying to him or anything, or it was even on your mind, or he just showed up out of nowhere? He just showed up out of nowhere. Well, I'd always had a very close relationship with Jesus. I, ever since I was a little teeny girl, I loved him so much. Um, at Easter time, I would sit and watch the movies. Um, you eat my Easter candy, hold my little stuffed animal, and I'd sit all day long and watch the Passion movies. You know, mm-hmm. that was my my giving back to him, I guess, or whatever. And I did that as a child, little teeny girl. And but that particular day, it wasn't like. I mean, I knew we were there to sing to him, for him, as it was Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll never, the song was Up to Jerusalem. So I still remember the song. And, but at that particular moment, I was just sitting there, not thinking of anything, just, you know, not, I, I, I was kind of, like I told you, I was kind of withdrawn. Mm-hmm. 
So I wasn't like socializing like everybody else was doing. They were getting up and running around and, you know, the and people did, with the instruments were tuning their instruments and people were practicing and I was just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And then when he walked in, it was like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just knew, I knew right away, mm-hmm. but I couldn't speak. And I think he did that on purpose too. So that I would shut my mouth mm-hmm. and listen to what he had to say, because what he had to say was really important. Mm-hmm. And I, because in my mind, I was thinking, Sharon, this is your chance to ask the Lord everything you ever wanted to ask him. And you can't say a word. What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it was, I think he did it on purpose. It's almost like seeing a celebrity in real life, but it's like a celebrity plus, 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 plus. You know? I know. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. All right. So let's fast forward into your lightning strikes. When was the first time you were struck by lightning? Um, it was every other year. See, twice it was ball lightning and twice it was lightning, the, the bolts actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was every other year. And then at 43, I, it was 2005. And that's when the big one came and, mm. It was twice was ball lightning Uh and then twice was the lightning bolt. I kind of have an idea of what ball lightning is, but can you explain it to me? What was that like? And what do you mean by ball lightning? Okay. I, I had never heard of it before that, the the experience. Um, But what it is, is we had an old, old Victorian home and there, I guess there, there are little cracks between the window and the windowsill. And of course I had the big drapes up and the big, you know, fancy curtains. And I didn't know that it was raining out and I was sitting in the den and I was on the computer. Um, and all of a sudden there's this round, like fireball, you know, about round like this. And, it came through the crack between the wall and the, and the windowsill and it rolled across the room and it, I was on the keyboard and it hit the keyboard and it just fried the computer and my hands tingled all the way up to my shoulders. It was just, it was unbelievable. I'd never seen anything like that. The second time was, it was every other year. So the second time it was ball lightning again, but I was sitting on the couch with the man I was married to at the time we were watching TV. We had a big, um, uh, front porch and it was on connected to the, or the living room. The front porch was here and the living room was here. So there was a window and I guess lightning had come underneath the, the porch but again it was ball lightning that came through the window between the the window and the sill and it rolled across the back of the couch and it hit me in the back of the head and I was like wow you know it didn't touch him It, it, it hit me in the back of the head did you sustain any injuries from either one of those strikes no no um the first one it made my hand it it fried the computer and the keyboard was just charred and my hands tingled really bad all the way up to my shoulders. But 
the tingling went away after a while. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, that wasn't a permanent injury. And the thing in the head, it kind of <laughs> stunned me and knocked me for a loop for a little bit, but mm-hmm. I didn't have any burns or anything. Oh, wow. Did, did your house have any burns like the windowsill or whatever that's as it comes under the window? No, it just went right. It, it just went between the cracks. It just mm. came right through the cracks. So there wasn't any burns on the house. Now, the big lightning strike, um, there was a, we had a, um, I guess you'd call it a um, transformer. Okay. It's right in front of the house. Mm-hmm. And that thing, it just blew to smithereens. When the, after the lightning hit me, it went underneath passed through my body went under the house and hit the transformer in front of the house and just blew it to pieces Mm -hmm. and that was the fourth lightning strike Uh oh that's the fourth all right where is the third we're missing one okay the third i was in the bathroom curling my hair with a curling iron Mm -hmm. and i heard i thought it was a truck going down the alley behind the house but what it was was it was actually thunder, but I didn't know that. And so I'm I'm curling my hair in a storm. <laughs> what happens is the lightning is dumb. That was a dumb thing to do. <laughs> What's <laughs> but, the odds of you know of you the lightning uh, well, strike in your house? <laughs> but they say lightning doesn't strike twice, but that's a lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so I'm curling my hair, and the lightning hits the ground and travels through the cord that was plugged into the wall, which was right by the sink. Mm -hmm. And the curling iron kind of stuck to my hand. And what was really scary was there was a loud crack Mm -hmm. just before the lightning hit the ground. And we had two dogs and the two dogs were terrified. They were climbing up on the couch and (laughs) cowering. Mm -hmm. And that's how loud it was. Mm -hmm. But then, and I started screaming, oh, my God, oh, my God, it hit me, it hit me, it hit me. But I couldn't get the cord. I, I could, you know, the curling iron was, like, stuck to my hand. Hmm. I couldn't, it was like, you know. Wow. And then finally, um, I was able to get it. I don't even know what I did. I just, it, it can't, I, you know, dropped it or something. I don't know. Were all four of these lightning strikes at the same house? Yes. Because it makes yes. me wonder, are you the lightning magnet or is the house the <laughs> lightning magnet? Which one do you think it is? Um, it had something to do with that house. Mm. That house had some very strange <laughs> Very strange things happened in that house. Yeah. Is there like anything really tall on the house or tall trees? Just for the general well, physical things, you know, lightning hits the tallest thing around first. So is there something like that or? We had our two neighbors on either side. They, The people on, as I'm facing you, they were on the right. They had two tall fir trees. Mm-hmm. And the people on the left had two tall oak trees in their yard. We didn't have any trees in our yard. We had uh, just the um, two-stall garage right, you know, it was like a breezeway. You walk out of the kitchen Mm -hmm. and straight, and you're in the the garage. Well, right next to the garage, there was a um, 
a light pole that lit up the alleyway. I don't know if that's what it was trying to get at or what. I don't know. I mean, I have pictures of the house and it it doesn't seem like there's anything remarkable about the outside of the house. It wasn't any taller than any of the other houses. The only thing is that that transformer was right in front of our house. So I don't know if it was, I don't really know. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. You know, for some reason the lightning was hitting your house. But you did mention that there was a lot of strange stuff in your house. So do you think there was yes. maybe ghosts or beings or energy there in was. the house that was attracting the lightning? There definitely was. Yeah, there were ghosts in the house. I, I saw them. <laughs> they And after, um, there were, uh, after my near-death experience, there was so many of them. Hmm. It was like I had a flashing sign above my head that said, if you're dead, come see Sharon. Oh, wow. Or I felt like the little boy in the sixth sense, you know, mm. was like, oh, my God, I see dead people. <laughs> and I would be talking to them and not realizing they were dead. I mean, we had had a family friend who had died. Mm-hmm. And I knew he was dead. We were getting ready to go to his funeral. And I take my dogs out to the backyard before we go. And the guy's standing there in the backyard by the fence. And he's talking to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. I talked to him for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. And then it was like, oh, my gosh, you're dead. Mm-hmm. What are you talking to me for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't it didn't register in my head at uh-huh. first because he looked so healthy and so, you know, rosy-cheeked and mm-hmm. like he just stepped out of the shower. His hair was, was wet. And he just glowed. He glowed. He was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it didn't hit me right at first. My God, Doug, you're dead. What are you talking to me for? (laughs) What did he say when you told him that? He said, I want you to tell my wife and my mom that I'm okay, that I love them. And he had told me to make them a a flowering wreath that had birds on them. Hmm. I don't know what that meant to them, Mm -hmm. but he was very particular give them each a wreath with flowers and a bird Hmm. on on the wreath. I said, okay. So I did. I had some already made Mm -hmm. from doing a craft fair. So I just picked one out for each of them and gave them one. I don't, I don't know what that meant to Hmm. him or to them. Did they have any particular reaction when you gave it to them? Um, they both cried. Um, I had told them ahead of time that, you know, when we got there, I said, I have a gift for you. I said, but this isn't from me. This is from Doug. You know, he had told me, you know, he can't, I talked to him just a little while ago and he told me to give you these wreaths, these kinds of flowers with the birds on it. So, and I remember his wife, she went to the bedroom and she was just crying and his mom, she was just grateful. And, um, but nobody explained to me what that those particular flowers meant and what those birds meant to them, Mm. but that's okay. That was just his message to them. Mm, That's interesting. So on your fourth lightning strike, that's when you had your second NDE, right? 
Yeah. It sounded like you were saying that the, on the fourth one, it hit you first and then went to the transformer. So were you outside yeah. at the time? I was sitting on the back concrete steps talking on the cordless phone. Okay. And it started to rain. Mm. Um, there was this little ledge that came over mm. the stairs from the roof. And the man I was married to had just got home from work and he was an electrician. I thought, okay, well, he would know if mm. I would be safe or not. I figured a Corded phone would probably not be good, yeah. but I had no idea about a cordless. Yeah. He said, yeah, don't worry about it. She'll be fine. Oh, well, he went in the house and about five minutes after he went in the house, I hear this loud crash and the lightning. I saw the lightning bolt come out of the sky and it hit my arm and that phone just went flying and it was all burnt mm. and I had a searing burning horrific pain in my arm and traveled across my chest. And then that's all I remember until it was like my spirit or my soul just peels up out of my body like a banana, you know, and I go into my house, I'm walking into my house and nothing in my house was my stuff. So I, I go in and I'm in the kitchen and I'm looking at the curtains on the, on the wall or above the sink and they weren't my curtains and everything had this burnt yellow gold look to it. And I, I got confused. Like, where are my curtains? Then I went into the dining room and that furniture was not my furniture. It was like centuries old furniture. It wasn't my stuff. And I went into the, it was all open. So I went in from the dining room into the living room and that furniture wasn't my stuff. And my husband wasn't in the house and my kids had been over visiting and they weren't in the house. And I heard this old time radio playing. It sounded like something from back in the Waltons and I couldn't find it. I mean, there were no lights. And I couldn't find this radio. So I didn't know what was happening. I got very confused and I started to panic. I thought, this is really weird. You know, I knew I'd been hit by lightning, but I didn't know I was dead at all. And I couldn't figure out where my stuff was. You know, this was my house. I knew how to get around in it, mm-hmm. but I didn't know where my stuff was and whose was this stuff. Mm-hmm. And just as I was about to lose it completely, there was this huge, loving, formless presence. That's the only words I can use. And it just, the peace just totally overcame me. I wasn't afraid anymore. Um, I felt love like I'd never felt before. And it just filled me up. And it was just like this presence had a big arm and wrapped it around me. And we started going sideways. I didn't go up. I didn't go down. We went sideways through these beautiful pink and gold clouds. And we were moving at very great speed through these clouds. And at the end of the clouds, there was this beautiful garden. And um, it, it was like the most beautiful spring day and you multiply it by 
10 Brazil, <clears throat> excuse me, 10 Brazilian. It was so magnificent. The colors were so rich and vibrant. The air was sweet. Um, the colors, I, I've never seen anything like it. And that was just the entrance of the garden. And these two young men stepped forward and they, they were my two brothers who had died as babies, mm. but they were fully grown men at this time, you know, like late twenties, early thirties. And they were so beautiful. They had um, long curly hair, darker colors than mine, but it had this color running through it. And, they looked just like my dad when my dad was a young man. Mm. And we just had this wonderful family reunion. It was like, Oh my gosh, I know you, I know you, you know, and it, it was, it was so wonderful to, to see them. And they actually were the ones that told me I died. Mm. I was like, really? Okay. I can do this. This is okay. I can do this. Well, as soon as they told me that, it was, we'd moved a little bit further into the garden and that presence was still with me. And then my two brothers and it was time for me to have my life review. Mm -hmm. And it was like a screen came down and I was watching this. It was on an old fashioned movie reel. And so I'm, I'm standing there. My two brothers, one on either side of me, this loving presence is behind me. And then there's a whole bunch of other people that came around and they were like from all different time periods and I knew them and they knew me, but I didn't know where I knew them from. Hmm. And some of the people were dressed in fancy clothes, beautiful gowns, fancy suits. And some people were dressed in jeans or loungewear. You know, I don't know where they got their clothes from, but they, they were really nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, uh, another thing too, when my brothers told me that I had died, I looked down the front of me to see if I still had a body, and I did still have a body. I could see my hair going down the. Fr- I could see my clothes. I still had my clothes on, and that was a good thing. That would be pretty weird being naked in heaven. Yeah, that would not be a pretty <laughs> picture at all. <laughs> wouldn't want to go there (laughs) anyway i i noticed Mm -hmm. that i did have a body but Mm -hmm. it was a different kind of body it was like a light body Mm -hmm. and it was not weighted down heavy gravity it was light and for the first time in my life i felt beautiful i was accepted and Mm -hmm. and for me not for and and i had never felt that way Mm -hmm. on this in my life until then Mm. but so then uh, they were doing my life review and i was watching it it was a black and white movie on an old-fashioned movie reel Mm -hmm. and it went really fast and the that loving presence moved from beside me to behind me and then i had my two brothers and all those other people and nobody judged me and i didn't judge me either i didn't know i was supposed to and so I just watched it and then it was over just like that. And, but it was everything from the time I was a baby until I was fully grown, you know, till that, I, that moment that I died. But I, I, when it was over, I asked my brothers, I said, something is missing. 
you know, my life must have really been boring. <laughs> it went so fast. And I didn't know what it was I was missing. And they just kind of grinned. And I thought, wow, you're not going to tell me? You're playing the brother card on me here? <laughs> you know? And um, But they never really said anything. They just laughed, you know. And so then we went... After that was over, I heard a male voice say, what you put into the universe will come back to you. And I knew that was God's voice, but I didn't know what he meant because mm-hmm. I'd never heard those words before. Mm-hmm. And I was getting like an infusion of knowledge. It was like wearing a giant IV bottle mm-hmm. attached to me, and I was being infused with all this knowledge. And it was like one aha moment after another, bam, 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 mm. like that. And it was like, oh, my gosh, you're so cool. This is so cool. Mm-hmm. He said, what you put into the universe will come back to you. And I didn't know what that meant. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was getting all this infused knowledge and pretty much what it meant, what it, this, this infused knowledge was like one aha moment after another. It was like, Bam, 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 and all this, how the universe was put together, who God is, what God is, and all that kind of stuff. And it was, I kept saying, oh, my God, you're so awesome. You know, we human beings make everything so complicated, and you're not complicated at all. Mm-hmm. And it was, I had such a feeling of bliss, you know, because I had all this of course, when I came back, it all went away. But when I was there, it was like, wow, mm-hmm. it was amazing. But what I what I learned from the words he told us told me was that if you put love and you put kindness and you put compassion, that's all going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. If you put stealing and lying and cheating and hate and all that, that's what's going to come back to you. Um, you fill your soul with those things you fill your life with. Mm -hmm. So, and he also told me about, I call it the boomerang effect, which you put out, goes out, out into the universe, spins, gains momentum, gets stronger. And then it comes back to you like a boomerang and you don't know when it's going to hit you or how it's going to hit you or anything, but it it will hit you eventually. Mm -hmm. It may not be right away, but eventually it'll come back. Mm. And so it was like, that was, that was a big moment for me learning that, you know, it really does come back. And I've seen in my life since then, how things can come back to you. Mm -hmm. So I choose now to be very careful. (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want to get hit in the head with a boomerang. So, <laughs> did you ever figure out who those other people were? I I never. I don't know if they were relatives, you know, or I I really don't know. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I knew them and mm-hmm. they knew me, but I I don't know where I knew them from. Interesting. Did you feel like this was your house, but with other it, people's stuff and different decorations? Yeah, it was definitely my house. I knew how to get around in it, mm-hmm. but nothing in it was mine. It was almost like that lightning um, 
was powerful enough to knock me back in time or something. Mm. The time era was like 20s or 30s. Mm. Of course, I'm not old enough to have lived back in the 20s or 30s, but that's that's the time period that the house was was in Mm -hmm. after the lightning hit me. Mm -hmm. It was very strange for the for a couple minutes. It Mm -hmm. seemed like it was a lot longer than that, but I'm sure that's all it was. Because I was just so, I kept looking around and like, oh my gosh, where did this stuff come from? Where's my family? Yeah. And what is going on? It's almost like I was a ghost. Yeah. And when I thought about it afterwards, it was like, I don't know if there were, I didn't see any people in the mm-hmm. house, but if there was people, did they see me? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it was very strange. Mm. So how did you come back? Well... Um, after, after the NDE, or I mean, after the, I had the, uh, uh you asked me how I came back from my NDE. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. Like you had your life review, you had, you know, you, and you had, you were giving all this knowledge then at what, and then, you know, I, I guess it's kind of like what happened next? Did you come back next or did someone say you have a choice to stay or go? No, um, Jesus, I saw Jesus. He came out of a grove of trees and he walked over to me and he said um, that he loved me, not to be afraid, and that he'd always loved me. And that was my first clue that I was coming back, but it went over my head. And when he showed up, my brothers disappeared. So Jesus walked me over to this wooded glen Mm -hmm. and there was a log laying on the ground Mm -hmm. and I sat down on the log. And Jesus walked away, and there was another man sitting on the other side of the log, and that was God. Mm. And he started talking to me, and then he he was like leaned over, and he was had a stick, and he was drawing in the dirt with a stick, and just you know. And at first, it was just you know chit chat, but then he looked at me and he said, "What would you do if it was just me and you?" And I was like, what? I didn't understand. And he said, what would you do if it was just me and you? I was like, the question didn't even make sense to me. I didn't understand it at all. So he said, well, come with me. And so we stood up and we walked a little bit further into the woods where there was a clearing. And he kind of waved his hand. And when he did that, the sky just opened up. And I could see the vastness of the universe. I saw the, you know, sparkling stars and gas, you know, spirally gases and spinning planets, but there was no people. Mm -hmm. There was no houses, no cars, no trees, no animals, nothing. It was just all this stuff. And I looked at him and I said, that's huge. And if it's just all of that and me and you, you would be tired of me after the first 10 minutes and you wouldn't like me anymore. Oh, wow. So I said, no, I don't think so. So <laughs> he just threw his head back and he laughed. And when he did, he had the bluest eyes I've ever seen. And they just sparkled. And he, he must have thought that was a really funny comment. <laughs> and I thought, gosh, Sharon, who says God? no to God, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. So we went back and we sat down on the log again 
And he asked me the third time, what would you do if it was just me and you? And then he said, no parents, no children, no husband, no friends, nobody, just me and you. And I don't know why I said this because I've never read the Quran in my life. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about Mm -hmm. that tradition. Mm -hmm. But I said, God, your hundredth name in the Quran is God is everywhere. God is nowhere and God is in me. He said, yeah, that's right. And then I looked at this tree that was in front of me. It was a beautiful oak tree, real big old oak tree. And I could see the detail of the bark and I could see the roots beneath the ground and how they pulled the nutrients up and they fed the leaves and the leaves clean the air and we breathe the air. And so one thing is connected to another and everything is connected. And that was really important. And I, I said to God, I said, God, you made this tree. You are in this tree. So when I see this tree, I see you. And he said, yes, that's right. And so then I started thinking about my parents. And I said, well, God, you made my parents. You are in my parents. So when I see my parents, I see you. He said, yes. And so I thought about my children and I said the same thing, you know, and then the next thing I started thinking about certain people in my life who had been very cruel to me and hurt me. And I said, God, you made these people that hurt others and are mean and cruel. I said, you made them, you're in them. So when I see them, I see you. And he said, yeah, that's right. Then he said, now I have a question for you. I said, okay. And he said, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And of course, my normal answer to him would have been not much because my whole life had been, people told me I was ugly, I was stupid, I was fat, I was this, I was that. So I didn't have a good opinion of myself at all. And so I said to him, I I said to myself, that's not something you tell God, the creator of everything. You just don't tell him that you're not, he made junk, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not. So I said, when I, you made me, you're in me. So when I look in the mirror, I see you. And he said, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. He was so happy. I was like, I felt like a little kid had just got an A on a test, you know, (laughs) that answered the right question the right way. And he was so happy. But what he was putting in my mind and in my heart and what he was trying to teach me was that it doesn't matter what other people think what matters is what he thinks and that he loves me even though i'm an imperfect person he loves me perfectly and that love is what makes me perfect in his eyes and he said i didn't i he doesn't make junk and he doesn't make mistakes and so i wasn't a mistake and that was so huge to me. It just was spinning in my head. You know, it was just enormously huge because of things that had been said to me my whole adult life. Mm-hmm. So it it was an, it was huge for me that mm-hmm. you know yes, he has right. a purpose and a reason for everything he does. And that's like an amazing experience you had, and it's to me it's really beautiful, and I appreciate you sharing it with us. Thank you. 
I'm curious. I'm sure someone else is curious. Two things. One, was this still the same Jesus that you saw as a child? <laughs> Looked the same? Looked the same. Still Only in- he was wearing a robe. He was he wearing, was wearing a, robe a robe this robe. time. Okay. And second yeah. of all, so all I got was God's description was blue eyes. Can you give us any more description? He had uh, short, curly black hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a beard. And he was older than Jesus, but he wasn't old. He wasn't a real, you know, old, old guy. He was, um, and his eyes were the bluest blue you would ever see. Mm-hmm. And um, he was wearing a robe and sandals, and um, but his hair was, you know, up to here. Mm-hmm. Jesus' hair was down to here, you know. Mm-hmm. It was two totally different Two totally different people, but yet I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. There were two totally different entities, but yet very similar, mm-hmm. very very similar entities. Right, that makes sense. And the love, the love was just huge for both of them. Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't until I got back from my inner death experience that I realized that God. He was also that huge, loving, formless um, presence. Mm. And he decided to take on form Mm. to talk to me, to get his message across to me. And, you know, he's the creator of everything. So he could appear as anything he chose. Mm -hmm. I mean, his essence is spirit. So he can be anything. Well, if he'd appeared to me as a goat with three heads or a burning bush, I would have took off running the other way and there would not have been a conversation. So he, he appeared in a way that was, um, inviting and felt warm and friendly and I wasn't afraid. And it was, he wanted a relationship. You can't have a relationship with someone you don't talk to. So if he'd appeared scary, we wouldn't have talked. Do you think that there's any significance that you thought of that? I don't know if that was a quote or a line from the Quran. I really don't know because I've never read the Quran. Now, I did talk to a, this was several years after my near-death experience. I talked to a uh, Islamic professor mm-hmm. um, and he told me, he said, there's only 99 names written in the Quran. And the hundredth name is never spoken. It's too holy. And he said it's more of a concept than it is a name. It's, you know, God's names are qualities that he has. You know, he is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the comforter, the, you know, all these different names that we have for him. But they describe who he is, his personality, and, he, you know, so what he was telling me is that that name is not written in there. It is known in there. It's just not written in there because it's too holy to be spoken. And he was like, and you went and said it. And I'm like, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's what I was saying. I, I really didn't know because I didn't know anything about it. Hmm. I'm confused. So what do you mean you went and said it? I mean, that quote is. That's like- what he. That's, that's what he name? told me. He, that's the that's the hundredth name of God. 
Oh. And you're not supposed to say it. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. That's what he told me anyway. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't know. I'd never read the Quran. I'd never heard. I'd never talked to anybody that was Islamic. Not Nothing before mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. It just popped out of my mouth, and I don't know why it did. I was as shocked as anybody. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. What did I just say? Mm-hmm. Because I'd never... Uh, you know, never mm-hmm. picked up the book, didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. But I just said it, and God was like, yeah, that's right. Mm. So you're having this experience. What was what happened to your body on Earth? I mean, were you out unconscious, or what was going on with your body? I was dead. You were, <laughs> you were clinically dead? I, I Yes, I was gone. Mm-hmm. Um I have now a right bundle branch block in my heart, and okay. I have seizure disorder from the lightning. Um, yeah, I, I, I was dead. So I would assume crumpled on the ground. You were on the ground. Um, whoever was at home came out, saw you there, called the nine one one. They took you to the hospital, and that kind of deal. I was married to somebody that was very abusive and refused medical treatment. Oh, okay. So it was a couple of days before he finally took me in. Oh. And the doctor was, I did go in and I do have medical records to prove, mm-hmm. but he, he didn't want to have to sit there and, and wait for me right. to. So that's what that happened. Where that <laughs> Were you burned? Was your body burned? My body was not burned, but there were tar marks on the concrete steps where I had been sitting. Hmm. I did not have any entrance wounds or exit wounds, um, but they were able to see on um, my, because of the seizure activity and the right bundle branch block, I had never had that before. Hmm. And the doctor said it was from the lightning strike. Wow. I still know. have seizures hmm. because of it. Hmm. So how did God bring you back to earth? Did he tell you it was time to go or? No, we never had a conversation about that. I remember so many details about the experience. I just don't remember that part of it. So if there was an actual conversation about me coming back or staying, it probably wasn't a good one. (laughs) I probably wasn't a very nice person (laughs) because I really wanted to stay. It was so beautiful. Right. Um, I think wanting to stay doesn't qualify you as not being nice. I mean, I think most people (laughs) want to stay. Well, he was probably like, you're going to go back. And I was probably like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Like, But here I am. (laughs) Wow. All right, so that is your that was your second NDE. What happened? Yes. Your third one happened when you were undergoing surgery, correct? Yes, I had a, a bowel blockage. Okay, and it was an emergency surgery. And um, during during the surgery, what actually happened was uh, the nurses told me after the fact that I had aspirated during the surgery, and quit breathing so um but what happened was during surgery i left i came out of my body and i could see them working on me um they were leaned over they had blue hats on and blue gloves on 
a blue, you know, like a gown or whatever they put over there. And I could see their hands inside of me. And I thought, oh, that is just gross. So I went, <laughs> I went to the corner of the room, like, like on the opposite corner of the room. And I'm sitting up there in the corner of the room. And I'm thinking, that's just really gross. I don't need to see. That's too much information for me. So there was this ups it looked like an upside down whirlpool mm-hmm. and it was going up like this and it was like rainbow colored or multi sparkly different colors and i thought i'll just i'll just take an exit and go right up that again <laughs> so i did mm-hmm. and i found myself back in heaven again the same place i was at before oh. and i'm standing by this huge golden wall that was so tall and was made of like, it looked like cinder blocks, but they were pure gold cinder blocks. And they were just in in the wall. I kept thinking, how am I going to jump that wall? I'm not, I can't get up that wall. You know, I kept jumping up and down. I couldn't get it. And if you walk just a few feet down, the gates were open and I could hear, excuse me. I could hear, um, music playing i heard dishes clanging people were laughing and talking sounded like there was a party going on behind the wall well as i looked out i could see there's this meadow and past the meadow to the left was the garden where i had been before and there were all these people coming out of this garden there were hundreds of people coming out of this garden well as they were all coming out and walking through the meadow there was this little tiny brown and white beagle puppy and he was jumping at my feet and barking so i leaned down and i was playing with him and he would roll over for me to rub his belly and i thought oh my gosh you're a little boy if i rub your tummy don't you pee on me i Mm -hmm. said that Mm -hmm. i was like oh my god (laughs) so i'm I'm rubbing this little puppy and playing with this puppy and, and i'm watching these people pouring out of the garden and i saw two um, everybody that came out, they were all laughing and talking with each other. Everybody was happy and everybody had their own special angel. Everyone had one and they were wearing white robes with this blue, like blue sash that come across it. And I could tell the angels because they were taller and more illuminated than the people were. So they come out of the garden and there were two Middle Eastern men that had the you know, the head peak, I don't know what you call it. The, I, I don't, they look like sheiks, I guess, you know, okay. the, the robes and the head thing they sure. were wearing. And they were talking to each other and laughing and they went right into the city. And then there was a, another man who looked like he was from um, New York and he still had his hard hat on and he had jeans on and he had this tool vest that had tools tucked down in there and he walked past me and he went into the city and i noticed just hundreds of people children and men and women and of all races and colors and creeds and whatever and then there was these two that i i recognized the younger of the two he was son of a friend of mine who had died years ago and there was an older man walking with him and I recognized him as the, this young man's father. Mm-hmm. And what was 
and so every they walked up to me and I looked at them and I said, I know you. And they smiled at me and walked on into the city. Well, what was interesting about that was when I did finally come back to my body and I was hooked up to some kind of breathing machines and stuff. And when they realized that I was waking up, they got, you know, took care of me and I got back to my room and on my phone was a message from a joint friend of ours that told me this woman's husband died that day while I was in surgery. And I said, I know because I saw him and she, he was with her son and they were together. And, you know, it was, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And when I told my daughter about the puppy, you know, I was told her about what was happening, the whole experience. And I mentioned the puppy and she said, well, mom, we had a neighbor that lived down the street from us who had beaten his beagle puppy to death and we had to call the police on him he was arrested and i said well that beagle puppy was fine you know he he was wasn't hurt he was fine he was just as cute as he could be and so our pets do go to heaven and that was able to comfort her and i didn't even know about that until i told her about the beagle puppy that's interesting all right so and then you had a fourth nde that happened when you had a reaction to seizure medication, right? Yes. And what happened with that one? Well, it was quite different. Um, I had this f- feeling of going up, up, up like a helium balloon. And I kept going up and up like three levels, up, up, up. And I remember feeling like I was floating into space you know going beyond the blue sky and going up but it felt like a helium balloon i was rising up and up and what i got into what i guess was outer space i don't know but looked a lot like your background that you have there um i was wrapped in this black soft black velvet blanket I felt cocooned and safe and I looked, I could see myself inside the blanket and I could see outside of the blanket and I was just like in a fetal position and I felt like a a baby inside a womb, you know, but this this was a beautiful soft um, velvet encasement or blanket I'm calling it because I don't know what else to call it. And I could see the, like the sparkling stars through the blanket. And I thought it it was, it was amusing, Mm -hmm. but I felt more safe inside the blanket. So that's where I wanted to be. And then it was like, I heard this conversation taking place and God was huge. He was big. And it was like, Either he was talking to someone next to him about me or he was talking to me about me. I don't know. I just heard this conversation and it was about whether to come back or not. And it was, he was saying, you just need rest. You're tired. You're depressed. Life is hard. You need, you just, but you need to think about this. Let's not be hasty. Mm -hmm. You need to just think about it. 
And I'm going to hold you here and just hold you and you can rest and you can think about this. And that's what he did. And I wasn't afraid at all. I was exhausted Mm -hmm. and he just held me there for a while. And then I came back and the first thing people were screaming in my ear that the doctor was in there. Mm-hmm. There were nurses everywhere. They had the lights on and it was like, Oh my God. You know, the, it was so painful. The lights were so painful when mm-hmm. I came back. I didn't even know what happened. It was like, really? Why did you have to bring me? Back? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to come back. It was so soft and cozy mm-hmm. where I was at and dark and, and beautiful. And, I've, I had always been afraid of the void because of being on the NDE groups and things and people talking about the void. So I was really afraid of it. I wasn't afraid of death, but I was afraid of going there. But that's where I went. And it it wasn't scary. Mm. To me, it was very peaceful and quiet and cozy and, you know, comforting. Very, very comforting. It really was. I, I, I realized that the void is nothing more than the birthplace of everything or the beginning of everything or um, a, a place of, of rest or waiting. You know, like you're here waiting for the next step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my case, it was a step back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a comment and a question here. The first part is the comment. It says, you are very pretty and I like your hair. Thanks for sharing your story. (laughs) And then the question is, after your fascinating experience, did you change your point of view towards people and the world we are living in? I did. I really did. When I came back, I was a whole different person, completely different and my family thought I was crazy <laughs> because I was walking six feet off the ground all the time. Mm-hmm. And I loved everything. I loved everyone. And you couldn't hurt me if you tried. Mm-hmm. And I called it being in the pink bubble because mm-hmm. I didn't know what else to call it. I could see auras. I could mm-hmm. see this golden, you know, whatever it was that, uh, around every living thing. It was the life force energy or whatever um, around people and trees and flowers and birds and animals and whatever. I could just see this glow around everything. And I, I call that pink bubble. I was still like had one foot in heaven and one foot here. And I had that oneness with God still. I mean, I guess you can't sit with him and see his face and not, you know, come back different. And I did. And my family, they just thought I was crazy because they'd never seen me like that before. Mm -hmm. I was totally different. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much of the lightning changed me Mm -hmm. at the cellular level. You get the doctor, you should know, but I don't know. But I I just, it was, (laughs) it was... And that lasted for a very long time until I finally came out of it. And then I was in shock because it was such a big difference Mm -hmm. from vibrating that high and that beautiful, um, loving, 
magnificent place and then coming down here it's like walking and half dried cement up to your hips walking uphill hmm. that's how dense it is here versus heaven right so it was it was a very stark reality um from being there and living in that oneness for so long and then coming back but it's taken me a lot of years to try and um, integrate it into my life. And what I try to do is just, just love people, mm. you know, see them where they are and love them right where they are as best as I can. And if the person and I really don't get along, I can love them from a distance. Mm. I love you. Have a good life. Okay. God bless you. Stay over there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I try very hard to watch what I say, mm -hmm. you know, because I know that um, words can make a person or break one. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I just, I'm very careful what I say, mm -hmm. very um, cognizant of how, what I say and how I say it can mm -hmm. hurt someone. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever want to do that. Mm -hmm. So you have written three books are any one of your books about your experiences or can you just briefly tell me what each of your three books are about? Um, a song in the wind is mm -hmm. about my first two experiences. Okay. Um, I'm currently writing a book about my third and fourth. Mm -hmm. And I'm also writing a book uh, about the gray Eagle story. So that's coming out. Um, my whispers in the wind is a poetic it's a bunch of poetry mm -hmm. that I wrote when I was in the pink bubble. Mm -hmm. um, and there's whimsical poems in there. There's native poems in there. There's mm -hmm. uh, various uh, religious or not, not really religious, but spiritual poems. Mm -hmm. um, and the, I did a children's book called a rose from heaven and mm -hmm. it's um Beautifully, the illustrator did a wonderful job. Bethany Kerr is her name. She did great. Um, and it's for children so that any, and adults like it too. But it's, it's about my near-death experience and what heaven is like and angels and Jesus and God. And, you know, the little girl brings back a rose from heaven. And so. I want to encourage the audience to, too, if you want to know, you know, more about Sharon's experiences to check out the books, because unfortunately, I only have so much time to, to have a conversation with Sharon due to editing. So I'm sure some of you people may be saying, why didn't you ask her this? Or why didn't you ask her that? But I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I only have so much time. So if you want to go deeper into Sharon's experiences, then check out her books. I'm assuming your books are on Amazon. Is that correct? Yes, they're on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Are you doing anything else with the public? For example, if they want to contact you, do you con do you communicate with the public? Do you have a website or a Facebook page? Or are you kind of more oh, of a private person? I have... Um my personal page on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I have a song in the wind page and I have um, an author page. And so everybody can friend me or mm -hmm. text me or email me. <laughs> um, I have a, a WordPress 
uh, WordPress. Oh gosh, I can't think like now. Like a blog page or something? Yeah, like a blog page. So everything goes on everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and if they want to just, uh, they, you know, they can email me. Mm-hmm. I talk to people, email, and people call me on the phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to talk with anybody anytime. Oh, that's so. great. So I guess they just find you, Sharon Milliman, <laughs> on Facebook and kind of go from there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. Well, before we wrap it up here, is there one last message that you can give the audience? When you have your life review, it's the little things that you see. It's not the great big things. It's little things. And it's the little things that mean so much. So it doesn't matter if you're doing dishes or doing laundry or cleaning up after the cat or whatever it is. If you do it with love, that is so huge, mm. so huge. And that's what moves mountains in heaven. And, and it's, it's, it's not talking to a thousand people in an amphitheater. It's serving the popcorn at the amphitheater. That's what's important, you know, mm. and doing it with love because that's, that's what really matters. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that message. And thank you for being a guest. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I wish you massive success with your books and even your new book when it comes out. And, and when your new book comes out, let's get back together and talk about your new book. And uh, I want to hear more okay. about the ghosts in that house that you had. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'd love to tell you. <laughs> thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. All right, Sharon, will you have a wonderful evening? I will. You too. Thank you. Take care. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.